Hello, welcome to the 37 Signals podcast. I'm Matt Linderman. This is the third and final part of our design roundtable discussion. You'll hear from first Jamie, then Ryan, and then Jason on this episode. And what we do on this episode is we take some reader questions from Signal versus Noise. So here we go. So Shubham, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, asks, how important is a designer to the success of a product? Do you think a developer could be a good designer or vice versa? Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think definitely um, design is, is not something that you're born with, you know, it's something that you learn. So I think a developer can be a great designer just in the same way a designer can be a great developer. It's just whether you take the time to learn, uh, you know, what's right and wrong or be influenced by whatever. Sure. I'd say that, you know, both of them have to do design. When we really understand design and we know that it's not just colors and what, you know, what curtains do we match with, which, with, you know, which pillows or whatever, that uh, the software person who doesn't think like a designer is um, just uh, connecting things together until they run out of things to connect and they hope it all stands up. And the, the, the software maker who really knows design is thinking about how to separate the different concerns in their software and how to make things where they can easily change them without breaking other things, how to disconnect certain parts of the software and connect other parts of the software so that all the joints bend in the right places and other things stay together where they need to stay together. And then they're doing design, but the object of their design is code, its functions, its data, and the, the UI designer is looking at other things. They're looking at what does a human being see when they look at the screen and what is important to people and, and, and how is the aesthetic. And then um, I think the question that people don't ask enough, people get fixed on designer versus developer instead of designer and developer and looking at how should these two be working together? You know, who starts, who starts the process? How do we take turns? How do we give each other feedback? That's, I think, the more interesting thing to look at. You know, almost more of a loop than just an arrow going one way. Or the yeah, other. and it not only a loop, but it matters where you start. It's like it is chicken and egg a little bit, but it matters if you start with a chicken or you start with an egg. You know. It's, mm-hmm. All right, which one should you start with? So, I mean, for sure, you should start with with the uh, interface because yeah. you're starting with the customer experience there. But even what that means is something that you could talk quite a bit about. Does starting with the interface mean that you do a rough sketch, but a very convincing rough sketch, enough that you know know enough about the data model that the programmers can do some really rough database hooking up while you're getting more details together? Or do you need to get a completely clickable HTML prototype before you have enough confidence in the design to start talking to a programmer? And then do you hand it to them and they start building it? Or do you sit down and say, hey, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And it can depend on your relationship. It could depend on your goals. I mean, there's plenty... There's plenty there, but I would definitely say starting with design, uh, starting with the interface design. Uh, all right, next question is from Seth. He says, it seems your designs have always been quite minimalist and you avoid framing in the sites with solid borders and everything is sort of laid out in blocks going down the page. Do you feel that the simpler you make the designs for the various product sites, the better they convert? Hmm. Well, I'm not really sure what that means about, about like blocks and stuff like that, but I think it goes back to what we said earlier, which is um, we're just trying to communicate, especially for the marketing sites, what does this application do? And not necessarily, oh, it has a, it has an address book, it has this and that, but what uh, problems uh, do our applications try to solve? And, and we're trying to communicate in the, in the clearest way. 
how much discussion is there of conversion rates and eye tracking and, and really, you know, this design is working at this percentage success think, rate versus another design. Or I think initially we were really interested in A-B testing and, you know, we have Google uh, Analytics hooked up and we're keeping an eye on, on that. But I think the true testament is, are people signing up for the products? And the answer is yes. Uh, could it be better? Sure. I'll, you know, it could always be better. Uh, but I think that's the that's actually what's interesting about design is uh, you know that the design is working if someone's buying your product, you know, because uh, if it isn't working, then people are bailing and your conversions are down. So we do look at some of the stuff occasionally, like we did some A/B testing for some headlines and whatnot. And we don't do it as much as we probably should. Um, but we have done it, and I'd like to do more of it. It's just—it's just one of those time-consuming things you just tend not to get around to. Um, as far as the word minimalism, though, I, I kind of don't like that word because um, I don't really even know what it means. I think to some people it means white space; to other people it means like just a shorter page. I'm not even sure what that is. For us, the goal is always clarity, and if that means it's short, then that's fine. If it means it's long, it's fine too, as long as it's clearer. So that's kind of the the goal and certainly we could always be better at this and if we could test it non-stop I'm sure we could refine and refine and refine and refine but I think there's also a point where you just like you know want to make it some educated guesses and decisions and sort of move on to other things too because we have a lot of stuff to do we have a very small team um, we don't have like an analytics department or you know we have I think f five designers really and like that's all we have and so we have a, you know six products and a bunch of other stuff going on so we have to make some choices that may not be ultimately the best choice, but we're pretty comfortable with that most of the time. The, the other thing I wanted to add about just usability testing is, you know, sometimes it definitely is a clear um, choice. Like if, you're, if you don't really know what, what's gonna work, then usability test it. But a lot of times, uh, especially uh, at previous jobs, we would usability test stuff and um, whatever was the outcome it didn't really matter because we we're just gonna do it anyway so sometimes it just doesn't matter I don't know I mean like this whole industry about usability testing uh, you have to be open to the results is the answer. you have to be open to results and a lot of people don't want to a lot of developers and project managers and designers when they're up against a deadline they don't really want to look at the results in a clear way you know because they're also controlling the the test, which is kind of bizarre yeah. too. Hmm. On the topic of eye tracking, something I wanted to say there is w when I open up a, a, an interface to look at it critically, the first thing I look for is actually where am I looking. And um, I think that's more interesting than seeing where 10 other people look because I can try moving something and then reload the page again and then say, where am I looking? Like where the different elements on the screen are actually like moving your eye around they're attracting your eye based on their intensity or contrast and stuff like that. And that has a lot to do with what you read and what you don't read, which then in turn has to do with what you know and what you don't know about what's on the page. So I think that's an interesting thing to pay attention to is like, where does your own eye go when you open up, when you open up a screen? Now well, let's move on to Colin actually has three questions, so we can breeze through these. Uh, have you ever felt limited by the possibility of HTML compared to native apps? How do you approach that? Simplify until it reaches something quote unquote easy to do with actual technology or trying to tweak and distort and use coder's genius to make great things? Um, I personally like HTML. Um, 
I've done design like in FileMaker Pro a long, long time ago and some other stuff. It was more like you'd have to do something somewhere else and then copy it and paste it into something else and then like see if it works. I like the directness of HTML where you just kind of make a change and you reload your browser and like where the design shows up is where it lives and I just like that element mm -hmm. to it. I think I think what's interesting, you know, just to bring it back, is um, you know the fact that we have developers and um, these tools uh, is different than design. You know, design is not HTML as much as it is. You know, you can say the design Photoshop is not design; it's it's a tool. So, um, what I think is interesting is design will always exists whether it's hard or not the, the thing is community clarity or you know uh, proportions or whatever but uh, whatever tools are coming up so if it's a native app or HTML whatever is appropriate to communicate what you want to do you know all right Collins next question are you designers or designers slash HTML CSS coders and when does the actual coding of a layout start to emerge really early or do you try to avoid this in the first place to be focused on pure ideas we don't have anybody here who is who is uh, unable to do HTML and CSS, and we wouldn't. I don't think we would have anybody like that because um, we don't really have time for that. Um, if if you need to have somebody else translate all of your work into something that's usable, then um, that's a lot of lost time, really. And I think you know. I think that the analogy could go to like even print design. You know, to some extent. You have to know what colors, uh, you know, with overprinting or whatever, will get screwed up on the printing press. Um, you have to know, like, how to, you know, you might not know how to run a press, but you have to kind of know how the thing will be produced. And I think the same goes for web design or app design or whatever. You have to know what it's capable of. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's your material. It's, exactly. the, it's what you it's what you make your design out of. Like the idea that you could make a website and not know HTML like blows my mind because it's like building a building and not knowing what a brick is. Yeah. You know, it's just I think there should be there's definitely different levels of how deep you go. You know, you can be a CSS wizard or you can know basics, mm -hmm. but you should at least have some some foundation knowledge of what your what your building material is. And I think, you know, just to also uh, you know, em emphasize this. You know, we're sitting in this room with uh, Kudal's field notes in there, and I know Brian, who does the design for field notes. You know, they go through a lot of paper samples. They see how the ink is printing on paper. You know, if it's if it's breaking up, if the black is breaking up, and those are details as mu as much as you know HTML and CSS are for web design. So. And Collins, final question. HTML5 seems promising. What will be the trigger for 37 Signals to start coding sites using the new functionalities it provides? And do you think HTML5 will make your life at 37 Signals easier? We're using it in a few spots already, I think, some of the new stuff. But I don't know. It's just another spec. I mean, there's new good stuff. But until, like, all the browsers support all of it, I mean, I don't really, it's not, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to change the way we approach design. It's just, like, it makes certain things easier, probably. It's another it's tool. You know. Yeah, I mean it's better in, in a lot of ways, um, but it's not it's not going to change the way our stuff looks. For example, Duncan asks if you had a month and as much money as you needed to complete a study of some quirky area of design, 
or a nagging question that always bothered you, what would you do the study on? I'd keep the money. Put, put it in my bank. <laughs> Let it collect interest. How to how to how to get more money? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to spend it on design. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a neat question, but uh, I kind of like you know. There's a lot of shit going around when when Google was revealed to have like tested Twenty Shades of Blue or something on, on whatever. And um, I heard you talk about this. And is that that's not really design? It's just like it's research and science almost and I kind of we don't do any of that and I think it's kind of interesting so I would like to learn a bit more about that kind of stuff I'd like to spend it the on beha- behavioral psychology almost of like colors and design or something I don't know yeah I would like to spend it um, like in person with customers somehow mm-hmm, right. or having some kind of experience that we don't already have we spend all day every day looking at the stuff that we already have and thinking about how it could be better so sitting down for a month on one thing isn't going to change anything um, but if we took the said well, we're you know we're gonna actually break away from our normal pattern of doing things and we're gonna spend some time with our customers or we're gonna you know meet people that we haven't met who use our things and see what they think yeah. then this would be something new. I think it'd also be discovering what new problems people are encountering because you know as as uh, the internet evolves or as business evolves people have new problems all the time and. You know, that's what it's all about is solving problems, you know, so there's always going to be new problems coming up. All right. Last question from Hendrick. He says, what's your take on the future of design for web-based software? I don't know. I, really, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't think about stuff like that so much. Um, I think we're going to see, I guess if I had to guess, we'd probably see more like iPad-like metaphors coming to the web or something, maybe more sort of fixed designs I don't know maybe, maybe that's totally wrong I don't know I just feel like the, the iPad I think is going to influence a lot of how people do th- like the, the iPad UI controls because over the past 10 years people have been trying to imitate the desktop like f- pull down menus and, and you know all that kind of stuff like that came from the desktop and people were trying like for years people have been trying to emulate that in HTML and JavaScript to make it work so now there's a whole new thing like there's no such thing as pull down menus on the iPads for example it's like this pop-up hovering menu sort of thing. And so maybe there's more things like that. Um, and there's also going to be stuff like, you know, actually um, hovering is something we've been thinking about. Like our, a lot of our designs require hover. You hover over something to have something pop up. That doesn't work on touch-based devices. And forget, I mean, we're talking about the iPad now, but touch is where it's going. So like t- hover doesn't work on touch. So how can you reveal things that people don't know are there um, in a new way? And let them know that they can reveal them, things like that. There's so so there's some interesting things that are along along those lines, but I don't know. That's that's I don't have any other like deep predictions. I think an area with a lot of question marks hovering around it right now is just the file system. You know, um, if you use Google Docs and you try to share a Google Doc, it's not easy. Actually, it's not easy. Um, if you try to sync files to your iPad, it's, it makes no sense. You go through iTunes. Um, there's and if you use um, a lot of different web apps, um, your information is happy inside of the app, but going between apps is not so easy. And this seems to be like where a lot of pain points start to come together. I don't know what the solution is going to be, but it definitely seems to be an area where a lot of the, the different things that are changing with how we use web apps, what's happening with the iPad, they all point to the fact that the file system is, is, uh, is a little bit like... Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with it or what's going to take its place or 
Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a real fuzzy area right now. Um, I guess for me, you know, I guess the future. I'm not really sure if it's going to be a browser or an app or what. Uh, which I guess I'm a little nervous about. I guess I should learn Cocoa or something, you know. <laughs> uh, but you know, we'll see. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? And I just had one final question based on that a little bit when you're talking about touch is where it's going where we hear discussions about HTML5 how much of being a designer do you feel sort of like seeing where the future is going and, and almost like a, a, a fashion designer or something being able to say okay well here's here's where things are moving and I need to be ahead of it and or be skate to where the puck's going to be as Gretzky said yeah. and how much of it is just waiting and being like well we don't need to be at the vanguard or what's new and what's shiny let's let's see what happens and, and when the time's right we'll figure it out how, you know how do you balance that or is that something you even think about or do you just sort of go with it intuitively? I think that we, uh, me personally, I want to be at the absolute cutting edge of what we're good at. But, you know, we aren't producing the whole technology stack that we rely on. So we're really good at thinking through things and using the technology that we have to make things clear. And then when we have the opportunity and we see some new technology coming, if we can take advantage of it to make even better products that are even clearer and faster and easier and fit with people's lives better, then we do that. But, you know, we don't we only have control over a certain part of the world, which has to do with the tools that we know and the tools that are kind of arriving and the tools that are nearby. And and we do our best to follow it. But at the same time, like we don't control the whole the whole stack. So. You know, I think that we, we, if we continue to focus on things like copywriting and clarity and, and knowing what matters, that is, isn't going to change regardless of what the technology is. And then we just do our best to, to follow what the possibilities are with changing technology. I think for me, uh, you know, cutting edge on the web is always going to be something that's art-based, which is fine. You know, I mean... If you look at how the world worked, you know, the art world is always ahead and then it somehow trickles into the consumer design world, you know, and I think that's the same for the web. You know, I've seen a lot of beautiful sites that do crazy things with new tools like HTML5 and CSS3 and sure, we're trying to do some of that stuff now, but it's not like we're, that's our main purpose of existence is to push the limits of this spec. You know, we're just trying to solve or make it easier for people to use our tools. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode. You can go to 37signals.com slash podcast for related links, transcripts, and a list of previous episodes there also. Thank you for listening. Bye.